Hey guys, welcome on season two of Alpha Weekly. Today I'm recording with Taryn Hughes. It's like such a pleasure to be back on this scene and great stuff is definitely coming. In the next couple of weeks, I'm not gonna say too much about it, but I'll be going to Madrid to record content with absolute top people of the Spanish market. And it's super, super duper exciting because hard work pays off. On a personal basis, things are going fairly insane these days and it's just like super fun to see how things are evolving. I'm soon launching the Alpha Network with my first event at a place called Itnig, a company that I was working for recently. And we're gonna be launching together the public speaking club going with Alpha, which is super great. And if anybody listening to the podcast wants to join, that would be just amazing. On another hand, a calendar of content is gonna come. I'm focusing on the growth of the network, on quality and on very, very good value. So I'm really looking forward to find out what happens and I'm really focused on making this work. Thank you guys so much for listening to the first episode of this season two and I hope you enjoy listening. Take care of yourself, see you soon, ciao ciao. Hey guys, welcome on this first episode of season two Alpha Weekly. Today I'm with Taryn. Taryn's been part of the first season of the podcast already, speaking about mindset. And today we're going to be speaking about sales, sales psychology, and what he's doing with the conscious sale. Hi, Taryn, how's it going? Hi there, Marie, how are you? Thanks for having me again. <laughs> This is great, I just love it. Thank you for coming. So, could you start by kind of telling us what's your sales background? And uh, yeah, let's, let's start speaking about that this way. Sure. I've been in sales for over 20 years, predominantly in corporate sales and telecommunications out of London. And about four years ago, I left the corporate world in order to change my perspective on things. And I ended up in an entrepreneurial group, business group that uh, had mindfulness in the heart of what they did. And it, after spending probably five or six months with these guys, I was inspired to start writing a book called The Conscious Sale. That book was a, a handbook for sales success in terms of creating the experiences you want, the outcomes you want in your sales environment. And it's never been more so appropriate now for the entrepreneurial community that I work with currently. And from that book, it's led me to start a consultancy agency called the TCS Sales Accelerators for Startups. And it does what this says on the tin, you know. I work with uh, entrepreneurs, founders and startups to help them build an understanding of their sales strategy with the, the foundation in their ideal client understanding, understanding why they sell to the people they do and why they should be chosen over anybody else in the market. And from there, we use that insight and understanding to build a value proposition commonly described as a pitch in order that it best articulates your value to them in a way that reduces the amount of time, complexity and understanding so that you can progress things further, qualifying quickly whether they understand and want to get involved with what you do or whether it's not a fit and you move on. But the whole idea is about reducing the complexity, making it simpler to sell and being more successful in the outcomes that you want. The mindset part from the book, The Conscious Sale, is about building and instilling a positive mindset, a success-based mindset, which actually underpins everything we do in sales and, to be honest, everything else in, in the world at large. Because the way we feel inside is the way that we see the world as a large. So 
a lot of what I do with clients starts off being around the, the structural sales components, building value proposition, sales strategy, sales operations. But after working with me for a few weeks or a month or so, they end up realizing that the, the energetic part, the mindset part is equally, if not more important. And we tend to address both. We've been uh, having quite a lot of coffees to discuss about mindsets so far, and uh, it is true that <laughs> you do help quite a lot with, with your mentoring, let's say. Um, so speaking about the book itself, we can get it from Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon, uh, on uh, e-format and paperback. Okay, cool stuff. How long did it take you to get that book written, out of curiosity? The writing was quite an interesting process. As calendar months go, it was three years. But that didn't reflect the amount of time because I would stop for a period of time and not actually feel, I guess the word I would use is inspired to sit down and write. There were days when I sat down and thousands of words would flow and other days, other weeks where I just didn't connect with what I was doing. And there was actually a creative process for me in the way that I actually, I actually wrote this. It was almost a case of going into a slight meditative stance where I'd sit at my computer, I'd let my mind clear, take some deep breaths, and just be grateful for what was gonna come through. I didn't know exactly what was gonna come through, I didn't know what I was gonna write. And a lot of the content that I created actually came out of sequential order. And it was only when I realized these little, what seemed to be fragments, isolated pieces of writing just seemed to slot in in places that had gaps previously. Whether that was a function of the subconscious or some greater divine power, who knows? But for me, that whole creative process was very rewarding and it was quite revealing about how I as an individual approach things and with the alleviation of any anxiety by clearing the mind, by setting a strong intention and you know, believing in that process, I was able to create what I believe to be a, a powerful tool to help people change their circumstances when it comes to sales. And after all, that's the premise of the book. It is to use state, intention and belief in order to bring about the changes you want to see in your life. Interesting. Interesting. I still need to read your book. Well. <laughs> I'm on that, don't worry. Sure. So in terms of pro like projects and like in terms of work with entrepreneurs themselves, young founders, all that type of crowd, how do you, so you meet your client, but what's the process of working with them? It's like a mentoring basis. How, how does it work? I typically explain what I do and how I can help them. Mm -hmm. And that's a consequence of sitting down and listening. I typically have 30 minute consultation with them where they tell me where they are and what they're trying to accomplish, where the, if they're aware enough to understand the blocks they have from a, a process perspective, or if they're fairly new to just being able to start selling their, their, their offering. It's, it's really allowing them to have some perspective where they didn't have any. Often when you're in a, a, a solopreneur, I think the expression is, or you have very, very focused skill sets within the limited people that work there and no one's commercial, it's hard to give perspective to how to measure, how to, how to uh, deploy activity and how to progress. So by having a resource such as myself, we, we create a structure that allows you to alleviate the uncertainty, to move against a plan of understanding and then measure your results. It's always about test and measure. So working with me is a consultative process and then a one-to-one -one engagement. It's deep dive into it. My preference is to work for 50 hours with an entrepreneur or, or company in order that we go from the inception to the, to the closing of that experience 
We go everything from understanding what they do as a business, where the value is, matching that to an ideal client, applying that to all the circumstances you would need to present a value proposition, whether it's standing up for 30 seconds and shaking someone's hand, telling them what they do, whether you stand up and do a 10, 15 minute pitch at an event, or whether you're sitting down with a client and having a little bit more time to expand upon the narrative and the story and the value that you deliver looking at all of those and then being considerate of the audience using the right language are you are you using language that's congruent with their understanding in order to close that gap so i try and align my clients behavior with the best possible behaviors and practices to to, to gen, engender their outcomes that are desired several months ago you were also um, a coach during the event of otusa yeah where, I mean, I was in the public and you were kind of, you know, teaching us how to pitch to investors and present a project and stuff like that. So that's part of the process you have with entrepreneurs themselves. Do you also help them approach investors? And, and That's something I am able to help with currently. The, the, the companies I'm working with aren't at that stage. A lot of them are at the inception of their sales engagement process. So we're enjoying that whole creative function and then the deploying of a strategy to go out and engage in its test and measure. But absolutely happy to help anywhere along that, that structure. One of my clients today, I was talking about how to recruit sales professionals for what is business, simply because there are certain things that we need to look for in a, in a professional salesperson when we're ready to start recruiting. That it's quite often that people recruit people they like or they people that reflect who they think they are. That isn't always the skill set required in order to accomplish something that you can't currently do yourself. So it's being able to step beyond that and look objectively at what you're trying to accomplish and providing the structure in order to evaluate and then make decisions based on best practice gives them the skills they need to use to carry on without me in the future. And in terms of clients, so far, how many, like, so you launched the Conscious Cell about two years ago, three years so ago? So I've been working with, as TCS, the sales accelerators since February this year. Oh, okay, okay. So it's much, yeah. much the more... Conscious, the Conscious Cell has been, as a mindset program, has been going for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And, but the, the actual integration with working with startups and entrepreneurs from a commercial development, as well as mindset perspective, has been this year. Okay, so you have the Conscious Cell, which is the book, which is the Mindset pro pro Project, and you have TCS, TCS which, is which is the Accelerator, the, yeah. plus you have a business in the UK. I, I have some interest in property as well in the UK as well, okay. yeah. Okay. What got you started in, in sales? Like, what brings you to the stable being a sales expert today? What's the first step? Where were you at 20 years old? <laughs> I, I think I started my first sales enterprise at 14. Uh, my first, it was my first sort of, I think they call it bedroom sales operation. I was making sandwiches. My parents owned delic delicatessen and we had lots of day old bread. I would literally take sandwich, uh, bread, day old, make sandwiches and the next day take them into school and sell them. Because it was stuff that there was a demand for it. It wasn't even selling. So very quickly I realized that if you match your audience with something they want, it's not selling. You're just providing a solution. So that was, uh, that was probably the, the first enterprise I had. <laughs> From sandwich maker to, <laughs> to multi-company um, sales, sales, sales expert. That's funny. I, I, yeah, I started my first, well, my first business. It's not like I have one right now. But my first project was like something weirdly selling cookies for horses. So I relate to that. I relate to that. 
Um, so what do you realize is the biggest problems that sell, like entrepreneurs have with sales itself? Do you think people don't know how to sell? Like what is the biggest issue? I think what, and this isn't just a reflection of my observations. I think if you look at the statistics, you look at the evidence, the biggest cause of startup failure is the fact that people start businesses to provide services and products that nobody needs. Yeah? People often start vanity projects where they really feel impassioned, they feel impassioned and, and motivated to create something out of a technology they feel very connected to, and they create something that they don't quite know how it fits into the, the marketplace of society, and then they try and find a solution to that problem afterwards. And if we reverse that process and look at the need first, and obviously I'm not the first to say this, if you look at what's needed and then match that, to what you can deliver, then you're on a, on a, on a, on a faster step. But the, other, the, other, the second biggest cause of startup failure is actually running out of cash, you know? And if you think about it, there's only two ways to, to get money, and that's raising money from your friends or family or investors, or the second one, which is where I am, I come in, is to sell. You have to start selling with your clientele quickly, and you have to make it easy for them to understand the value you represent and make the process of transacting streamlined. Since you started the Conscious Cell and since you started all these mentoring um, opportunities, what did you learn as a sales expert? Well, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> it, it teaches you, it reminded me, should I say, it reminded me not to take for granted what you think is obvious. And I, I think that's, a, I've observed that in pitches and startup events where the way that people explain what they do, they assume there's a baseline of understanding and you, you can't do that. You have to start from a position of, have to assume you know nothing and we'll find out what you understand together. So it's making no assumptions about the people I work with and, and letting them tell me where they're at rather than me projecting what I think they understand or don't understand. Okay, okay, that, that got me confused. <laughs> so look, at the end of the day, if I sit down with a client, if it's easy to sit down with a customer or a client or whoever it is and make snap decisions about their responses or the way that they respond uh, or the way they describe or present themselves. Oh, you, you should know that, you don't know that, or that's short-sighted. Can't you see that's really obvious? And, and it's not, because if it was, they wouldn't be saying or doing what they're doing. So it, it teaches you to be non-judgmental. And when you stop judging, and this goes back to what I talk about in the conscious sale, when we stop labeling things, we stop labeling the situation and it stopped being concrete as our, our mind dicta dictates it to be. And we allow for a space for other outcomes and possibilities to arise. And that, that's what I've come to describe as super potentiality. It's the potential outcome different to what's immediately obvious. So that if your response slightly offends, slightly puts back or slightly chills the conversation, it shifts the conversation in a different direction than if you'd remain neutral, open, encouraging. Who knows where that conversation might go? And you've got to look at that throughout your entire life. The conversation you had when you were 21 years old working as a sales, a sales clerk in a dive store, when you've helped a guy for three hours with his stuff, he asks you to help him onto the street with his bags to catch a cab, and then he offers you a job in his medical firm, which is what happened to me. So, you know, spending three hours with the guy, he saw beyond this long-haired ponytail guy working in a dive store and said, look, come and spend a day in my office. I'd like to offer you a job. You had a ponytail? Oh, back in the day, I was a bit of a surf and dive dude, yeah. Um, far cry from what I am now, but 
Yeah, well, you know, we're talking 25 years ago, so... Look, I'm 20 myself, so I don't know what 25 years ago feels like just yet. That's very kind of you to point out. (laughs) But seriously, it's it's a case of never knowing what may come from this given moment, yeah? And, I mean, this isn't about mindset, but that is a really good thing to take away. If you can do one thing, stop labelling and judging, yeah? Even the most innocuous meetings and transactions and, 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 and random events may come back and have such significant impact on you down the road. Speaking about labels and speaking about a much more personal basis, it is true that since the first time we grabbed a coffee to speak about whatever till now, yeah. like working with you and I mean, I don't know if it's working, but just having conversations and trying to understand what you actually point out and the advice you gave me it is true that like stopping or improving on less labeling does help a lot well, just good to hear. in well, your no, but just just in your in your like normal life just because you feel better about yourself as i say as i say in the book you know i i lay out quite a lot of stuff in there but what i'm quite clear about is that you shouldn't take anything i say as gospel rather Try it for yourself. Apply things for yourself. Measure your own results. Be the witness and, and, and prove it for yourself because experience trumps theory, you know. Me telling someone how it is is not as good as someone discovering for themselves. So the fact that you've, you've, you've taken on board what, I've, what we've talked about and you've felt that, 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 that improvement in your well-being, that's fantastic. I'm really pleased to hear that. It is really cool. And, and I'm one of those fairly proud person that doesn't say too much, but for this case, I do, I do admit that it, it is having a great impact. Just on the just on the on the mindset like basis, you realize that when you beat yourself up and just just it's a question of perspective at the end of the day. Like if you fail on something and you think I suck or whatever, you just think negatively of yourself. Or if you look at the other perspective and you're like, Mah, whatever, I'll just learn from that. It's two different ways of analyzing the same situation. But the one without labeling, the one without telling you you suck, just helps you a lot more to to just learn from the situation and go forward doesn't it was that a question no it's just an analysis yeah no for sure absolutely i think what you've got to understand is that (laughs) it's it's not easy just to let things go you have to understand why they bother you in the first place it's that uh it's that awareness is the foundation of the ability to change so be mindful of what thoughts are running through your head and you know many 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 great better people than I have said this you know you're not your thoughts you know you're the witness to them so don't don't confuse who you are with what you think we all think stupid shit throughout our lives we really do and if we look back 10 years ago we go my god I can't believe I thought that way but that was the best you were doing at the awareness you had so be kind to yourself first and foremost right recognize that it's a process of awareness step by step and the moment you realize that judging stuff is really just a judgment of yourself or your own intolerance for what you don't connect with, don't understand, or fearful of, you know, then you're making huge progress in actually becoming more harmonious. And when you're harmonious with your environment, things flow, things become helpful. The world seems to organize itself in a much more accommodating manner. You meet people who are on your wavelength and enable you to, to actually get on with what you want to accomplish. But the moment you shut down, you're judgmental, you, you, you create a them and us, a me and them situation, 
you become very small in a, in a very big place and you're isolated and you're not connected to source or, or connected to the people and the environment and the energy around you. And, and if there's anything I've learned in my time on this rock, you know, we're so much better together. Yeah, we're so much better together when we, when we are harmonious and we work with our energies going in the same direction. Yeah? How does that, so all that we've, we've said about mindset and like personal understanding, awareness, how, so through the conscious cell, you relate that to sales. Yeah. How does a great mindset and positivity and self-awareness impact a sale? When you are energetically open, when you're not coming with a hidden agenda, when you're kind of clean about what you're trying to do, and that is being clear on the idea that you're there to help solve a problem, you're, you're in service to your client, you, you, you make it such that the person in front of you doesn't feel that they need to be guarded. If they stop seeing you as somebody to... If you stop coming across as someone trying to take money from them, they will stop perceiving you as someone trying to take it from them. Yeah, so it lowers some of the defenses and it allows for more of an open exchange. And it's not always easy, especially in the way that business is structured in this day and age where the, the buying process is compartmentalized in order to stop certain relationships being built to, to affect price, etc. But I think that the mindset, you, you, you absolutely attract where your mind goes. So if your mindset is of potentiality of beneficial outcomes if you entertain only high thought high vibrational thought ideas like good outcomes not delusional but because you've aligned yourself with the best thoughts words and actions that's congruence with that vibration because you know you've understood the client's needs you understand that your product solves their biggest problem and you know how to articulate that that enthusiasm that energy when you present that in any situation the context in that transaction is it's magnetic it draws it draws the client close to you and it, it galvanizes the, the the process much more strongly whereas if you maintain a very perfunctual approach to it there, there is there's no connection at a, at a human level you know sales is just one transaction that we that we do in business and in life we're always selling ourselves you think about how you present yourself in an interview for example You're selling your skills, you're selling your abilities, you're, but equally you're selling your beingness, your personality. You want to show that you're open and engaging and that you can get on with people and that you are someone that's going to contribute to the betterment of whatever it is you're doing, whether it's a company or whether it's the, 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 the clients they serve. So your, your attitude absolutely is intangible, but it's absolutely always present in the effects it has on the sales outcome. Okay. Now it's time to brag. What is your biggest success you've had with your with your full like sales mentoring? Yeah, yeah, like in, in your career, career and in your mentoring thing. How does yeah? What do you, what are you the proudest of? Whether this is financial, whether this is personal, whether this is just mindset success or, or whatever you want to call well, it. It's funny, you know. Had you asked me that question maybe five years ago, six years ago, I would have I would have referred to a particular deal I did for a, a particular telco company I was working for. I would, I'd been in the company two years and I sold, I sold a deal about three and a half million pounds. It was the biggest deal the company had ever done and I earned a shitload of money and it was a case of do I buy a house or buy a Lamborghini? That was the genuine going through my head. What do I do with this money? Uh, I bought a house. I realized the folly of buying something that's going to depreciate in value. But the, but the thing is now, 
I don't see that as such a big win. Now you want to buy a Lamborghini? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I'm more into motorbikes these days. But the point is that the money is not such a driver for me. The adulation of being successful is secondary to actually recognizing that when I work with clients today and I see them adopting and actually acting that mindset without me prompting it, that's actually really rewarding. I left the corporate world because I'd become disillusioned with that whole process and the way that it, the way that it becomes so money focused and lost sight of the, the purpose of what they were doing. Um, so now my reward is much more intangible, but I still ironically get the financial reward as a byproduct. It's not the driver for me. The driver is seeing people develop and grow and seeing that manifest in their successful sales outcomes. But I get way well paid for it in the end anyway. So it's, <laughs> but that's it. You know, you can earn money. You can earn good money and do good work. You know, there's this idea that if you're going to do sort of mindful, spiritual kind of practices, you shouldn't be rewarded. Well, crap, you know, how many people do jobs that they know to be really bad in order to get really good salaries or loads of money? Well, why can't you do it the other way around? Why can't you do great work and get really well paid for it? That's exactly the concept I'm trying to approach with, with well, Alpha. Like, why, why would you not do things you love? Why? But I mean, you did love the sales process back then. So you just stopped when you had enough of it. Or did you realize, I, lost, I hate the corporate world? No, I, I, I lost faith in the machine that I was part of. And I saw myself as much of the problem. I've, I, I went through a massive evolution of being myself from, I mean, I'm, I'm quite comfortable to talk about this in the sense, I was pretty much of an asshole as a boss for, for, to a lot of the people who worked for me. I really wasn't a nice guy and I had to go through this process of realizing deep flaws in my being in order to realize that it needed to Karen be has negative stuff about well, him yeah, you know you we all do it's but most people just pretend to hide it where I, I, I went through this 24 month process of development and I did a lot of personal development work uh, a lot of mindfulness a lot of meditation and, and just clearing a lot of my baggage so that I could be better but I had to be that person so that I could come through it in order to be where I am today so I don't regret who I was it was it was a necessary part of my journey okay I cannot imagine you as a nasty boss yeah, to be quite well, honest you know, I know it's, it's, it's fair enough but uh, I'm sure there's a few people who probably say otherwise probably but I mean oh well so, so I guess that, that for today, that's quite an interesting podcast. I don't want to speak about everything, everything. Otherwise, I can't invite you ever again. Well, that's very kind to say, but uh, thanks for having me again. That's cool. It's cool. It's a pleasure for having you. And then let's see how we can collaborate with Alpha, the growth of, of the potential synergies we can have together. That can be great. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Ciao, ciao. <laughs>